It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Create Your Bliss with Mika Annan. Today, we have the fabulous opportunity to talk to Jewel Ladara. Jewel Ladara is an MFA, an experimental vocalist, and a professional opera singer who has performed with the Metropolitan Opera and as a soloist in Carnegie Hall. She is also a sound healing body worker, a workshop facilitator, a public speaker, and a soon-to-be author. Jewel joyously leads vocal empowerment play shops through her company, Sounding Circles, Featuring her original three-state facilitation method designed to unleash people's self-expression, creativity, and personal power through their voices. She offers her unique classes through national and international workshops and retreats, as well as through online coaching programs. Based in New York City, Jewel is on the Distinguished Teaching Faculty of the New York Open Center. In addition to offering private sound healing sessions through the Open Center's wellness department, she is also the premier sound healing practitioner at Integral Yoga Institute, New York City, and at Brooklyn's award-winning Green Spa. Jewel works with seniors at the Durat Institute and teaches weekly classes at the Lower East Side's Catherine and Abbott Health Clinic, offered through the Community Healthcare Network. She is the U.S. trainer for field tone therapeutic instruments based in Germany, an acutonics tuning fork practitioner. She is certified in facial soundscapes, an anti-aging tuna fork protocol for the face, and offers training in harmonic healing featured the Australian-based Elfin Energy Chimes. Jewel is a Reiki master, a candidate for fellow in the guided music and imagery, And in September 2015, she was asked to give a keynote speech at the Global Sound Healing Conference, sharing the stage with top leaders in the sound healing community. Jewel is also an award-winning songwriter and a producer of music that integrates diverse musical forms. This year, she is founding a new experimental opera company called the Guided Imagery Opera, which will combine conscious sound, guided imagery, live music, storytelling, and art. Her website is www.soundingcircles.com. Welcome, Jewel. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Nika. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, I've done some work with Jewel, and she is wonderfully amazing, very well-researched, and really skilled in what she does. Her classes are a joy to participate in. So why don't you talk about what led you into doing this really diverse, from the outside looking work that I know is very unified for you and is a flow of of a larger vision? Mm, Well, Nika, that is such a long story and it may take up much of our time (laughs) today (laughs) to tell you that story because uh, it's not a linear story. It's not a story of... First I did this, and then I did this, and then it led to that. It's a story of ebb and flow with many tangents and a story that I can only connect the dots when I look backwards because at many times in my life I felt guided intuitively to do certain trainings or to go different places either to visit or to live or to have certain experiences. And I couldn't always explain even to myself why I was doing those things or or following certain paths. It just, it was just guidance from within. And then it's only after looking back that I I can see how those dots connect. So uh, I'll start with, um, I'll start with my childhood, which was in Malibu, California. I grew up on this really rough piece of land 
that overlooked the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu, California. And it was a beautiful piece of property, but it was a bit of a fixer-upper house. And it was wild. There were coyotes and rattlesnakes and rabbits and deer and brush fires and mudslides and earthquakes. Um, and and I, I remember just having this this real connection to the elements as a little child and I would Mm. sing and I would sound with the air, with the ocean, with the animals and it was an instinct and it, it was a it was a celebration and I love to wake up in the morning and be alive and to use my voice and to communicate and to play and I have these really early memories of, of the freedom and the love of sound. And then a little bit later, I have memories of, of feeling fearful of sharing that sound with other humans. And I don't remember exactly when it began, uh, but I do remember that my mother asked me to sing for guests and I would run and hide uh, or I would cry or I would refuse. And I don't remember understanding where that came from as a little child. But looking back, I think that just in observing the interactions of my family dynamics and their interactions with other people that mm-hmm. somehow I learned that it was not safe to share my sound with other humans. It was always safe to share it with the ocean, <laughs> to communicate <laughs> with the elements uh, and, you know, in the unseen realms, the fairies from my imagination and, uh, and uh, you know, everything that, that, that uh, was of the natural world and of the imaginal realms that felt very safe and very natural. But there was something very frightening about sharing my sound uh, with other people, with other humans. And that story continued as I got older. When I was in elementary school, I remember at a school assembly being asked to sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow in front of the other kids. And I grew up loving The Wizard of Oz and and Judy Garland. So, of course, I knew that song very well. And I had this natural ability to sing in a a very beautiful singing voice that came to me as a a gift as a young child. And I remember singing this song in front of a, a group of kids. And then for days, and in fact, years after that, having the children mercilessly make fun of me. And to tell me that I sounded horrible, that I squeaked, that I sounded like a rusty wheel, that I was ugly, that I was stupid. And and so this perpetuated the story of, yeah, if I share my sound, not only my sound, but if I share my gifts, um, I am um, I'm making other people feel uncomfortable. And so therefore, it, it's really best for me to hide my gifts and to not be too shiny and not be too big for my britches, so to speak. And that uh, sharing sound was a vulnerable thing. And then, you know, as I grew up, uh, I got involved in, in theater and music and my love of theater of mu- and music uh, overcame some of these fears and I became more confident as I grew older. But there was always this underlying uh, kind of disconnect at the same time and an underlying fear that once I was in my early 20s in the professional world started to get in the way. I, you know, I would audition for things and I would uh, not be chosen because, you know, there was something always that just held me back a little bit. And at the same time, I remember like around the time that I was in high school, that uh, all of the things that I loved started to become segregated, so to speak. So I loved storytelling and I loved theater and I loved movement and dance and I loved music. And all of these things 
turned into these separate categories or these separate activities that one had to invest oneself in so that then when it was time to choose to go to college or to apply for college, you had to choose, are you going to be a music major or an art major or a theater major? And for me, this didn't make sense to my inner logic. It was like, these are all branches mm-hmm. of the same tree. What do you mean I have to choose? And... Um, so that was always really hard for me, and, and, and it was a precursor to what I would experience in the professional world, that, uh, you know, in order to be an opera singer, you have, you have to, in this country, have studied opera undergraduate through graduate school, um, or to be in theater, you have to do the theater track. There are all these separate tracks. And for someone like me who had all these diverse interests and curiosities, uh, that felt very limiting to me. And mm. because it was limiting, I, I kept jumping tracks. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it was like, wait, I want to do this track for a bit. I want to do this track for a bit and this. So I, I have a theater degree uh, and a music degree. I have an audio engineering uh, certification. And, and then later I, you know, did a bunch of different healing uh, trainings. Um, and... For my inner self, my inner guidance, that always seemed right. It was like, okay, I'm going to learn all I can about this world, and then I'm going to go learn all I can about this world. And for me, it wasn't really about jumping around. It was about adding all these beautiful tools to my toolkit. Because I've always had this way of looking at at the world um, as, as as an integrator, that that and I I really think that's one of my superpowers that I'm mm-hmm. I'm a, a very good integrator of forms where I'll see all these different things and go oh this could go with this and this could enhance this and this is missing this it's kind of like chocolate and peanut butter right. together <laughs> yes <laughs> so um, so this though drove for one thing it drove my parents crazy because even to this day. Uh, they will say things like, you, you're, you're always pursuing all of these different things. You, you pursue one thing and then you leave it to pursue another thing and you have all these interests and you can never just stick to one thing and be successful at one thing. So they see this as a real, um, a real tragedy <laughs> and a problem. Um, and the professional world also, you know, looking at my resume, like the opera singer People will will look at my resume and see the theater credits and say, you're not a real opera singer. And the theater people will look at my resume and see the opera stuff. And they're like, oh, you're really an opera singer. Um, And, and, and. So, so this common theme in my life has been that I have this inner voice, that I have this deep curiosity and love for so many different forms that to me are just branches of the same tree that the more that I learn and the more that I grow in myself that this tree becomes bigger and more and more beautiful. However, from the outside world, it, it's not been perceived that way. And also from a professional sense, I've never fit into any particular institution. Mm-hmm. So while I've had some professional success uh, with with singing here and there. I mean, I do have some cool credits having sung in Carnegie Hall and, um, and the Met and, and, and some things along the way, but I, I don't have this big, uh, career in any one of these particular institutions. And so for me, um, it's been this journey of, of, self-discovery and realizing bit by bit how much I have to create my own reality, my own uh, institution, so to speak, because I don't, I don't fit into any other existing format. <laughs> and when I was younger, this was a source of real pain mm-hmm. to me, um, deep sadness. In fact, I feel even, you know, sadness coming up thinking of my younger self because I had a lot of talent. I mean, I, I would sing for people and they would cry and they would say that that's the most beautiful voice I've ever heard. Mm. And then they would say, you know, why aren't you on Broadway or why aren't you having this major career as an opera singer? Or, um, you know, they would, 
they would read my writing and say, you know, why aren't you this famous author? Or, uh, you know, why aren't, why aren't you a corporate executive? You're so smart and you're, you're so organized. So there was, for many years, there was this deep pain in me because I did not fit into any of the already created forms out there. And I've tried to fit into many of them and and also have been very sad and very uh, um, unfulfilled. I worked for corporate America briefly and uh, just wanted to kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) It can be very demoralizing. Under fluorescent lights and, you know, being in a little cubicle that like my little soul was like, no, I can't do this. You know, and my parents were like, well, don't you want to have money? You know, and it's like, I don't want to have money at the expense of my wanting to be alive. (laughs) (laughs) So that just wasn't an option for me. But also what wasn't an option was, was, um, was choosing one of these tracks over the other. So, so being this opera singer and giving up on all of the theater stuff in order to just be an opera singer or being an actor and giving up the, the voice lessons and giving up the opera side of things or just being a healer and giving up any chance of being a performer ever again. So, um, so it's only been really since I've been able to embrace bit by bit my, my unique abilities and, and really own the fact that I fit into no pre-existing form that I've been able to have some success in my life and also um, a feeling of, of contentment and, uh, and that I'm, I'm really living my purpose. And the hardest part about this, Nika, is that there's, there's really been no, um, in my life, there hasn't been I've had mentors along the way mm-hmm. within the within the different worlds um, who have helped me on individual issues, whether whether it was working on my voice or uh, psychologically working on myself or things like of this sort. But there's been no human mentor who could tell me, okay, this is what you're supposed to do, and these are the steps to do it. it, it that person doesn't exist because the things that I have been create creating there there's no um prior version of it so that's been that's been really challenging and that 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 mentors have been these inner mentors mm-hmm. for me and so and that I, yeah sorry go ahead <laughs> I was just gonna say that I think that that's very key though to your whole path and it's as though you're creating your own your whole own field and what I hear um, very much is that in this process, you also worked really hard at developing all of those skills. So that mm-hmm. that was part of your dedication that you sang, that you did theater work, that you, you know, really worked on learning and bettering those skills as well as trying to figure out how to use them and how to stay jewel. Mm. Yeah, I think that there is a big difference between fusing ideas and creating mm-hmm. uh, or integrating ideas rather. Um, there's a, a, a teacher of mine, Sylvia Nakash, who, who does this wonderful mm-hmm. voice. Uh, she's, she's the head of the Vox Mundi project as well as uh, the California Institute of Integral Studies coordinator for their sound and music practitioner training. And uh, she's often quoted, uh, as saying that fusion is confusion <laughs> that we need to integrate mm-hmm. and I and, um, very much agree with that and I, I think the distinction for me is that when you um, although I love fusion music mm-hmm. very much um, the distinction is that that when you when you just fuse a bunch of forms together that you don't know very well it just results in a in a mishmash Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a mashup of, but not a very skilled or evolved mashup. It's like, well, let me just, uh, you know, s- just take a whole bunch of things, you know, and just stick them all in a brew. 
And that's very, very different than, than collaborations where the individuals have studied something at a very, very deep level and then come together and masterfully combine them. So for example, someone who has studied classical Persian music their whole life coming together with, uh, uh, someone who has studied jazz drumming their mm-hmm. whole life. So, mm-hmm. so two, two individuals who are very, very skilled at what they do and then coming together and creating a new integrated form that, uh, is a highly skilled integrated form. And I think that we have this opportunity to collaborate the different parts of ourselves in this way too. In that if you if you go and you study something very thoroughly, uh, particularly for a number of years, and then you take that and combine that with something else that you study or have experienced for a number of years, then that results in this new form that didn't exist before and and that's it's a way of using skillful means to evolve Mm -hmm. and to learn and and out of that yes find something that's new that allows that sense of wholeness the skills and and also the the group experience or the interaction the collaboration as you say yeah there's a yeah, a cliche saying that there are very few new ideas in the world, but there are infinite ways of combining things in new ways. So that's, yeah, that's been a big part of, of my journey and about figuring out who I'm supposed to be when I grow up, which is ever evolving. <laughs> that it's, you know, how do I take these things that I love, uh, you know, from Judy Garland all on up to the, you know, the present moment, how do I take all these things that I love and without releasing them, but how, how do I, I take those and then take them to the next level instead of just perpetuating these forms that have, uh, existed in the same way, because that's really what, um, creates a, a bit of stagnation. You right. know, like I, I grew up loving musical theater and uh, there just there came a point where I realized that I wasn't it wasn't my destiny just to study Oklahoma and and to just right. to be a musical theater actor on Broadway and and there was this, there was an internal um, battle about that because the love of that form has never left me. Like, you know, I can still watch a stage version of Oklahoma that's well done go, oh, this is so brilliant. This is so great. <laughs> uh-huh. I love this. So what I learned is I, I don't have to let that part go. I don't have to let, let the love of that go. But I could take whatever was important about that love or about that form with me while evolving something new. That's wonderful and really exciting, you know, to hear you talking about that and and feeling your way through that. So how did you get from there to working with the healing? Yeah, so um, I remember getting a a reading with someone. It was it was some kind of clairvoyant. I don't even remember who it was, but it was sometime in my 20s. I think it may have been a gift that, you know, somebody mm-hmm. gifted me this clairvoyant reading. And um, I don't remember much about it, except that this individual said, you are a, a sound healer. And I thought, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> was that a thing? Like, I'm like, well, of course sound is healing. I mean, I, you know, so that was like, okay, yeah, well, I guess I, I help people feel better through music. But at the time, I didn't really realize there was a whole community around this. I I didn't have any access to that. I hadn't been exposed to it. And even though I had trained in music and theater uh, since I was a little kid, I I just I hadn't stumbled across this world. And it wasn't really until I went to Australia, which was actually to do an audio engineering program there. That, and I was living in Byron Bay, which is a real um, well, kind of new age, um, like it's, it's kind of a, a beachy town, beach meets glam kind of town, <laughs> but there's um, uh, a lot of, a lot of um, alternative healing type things going on there, which is it's very much like Malibu actually where I grew up. And, 
And it was there that I first started doing my healing training. So I, I did the Reiki training. And while I was in the this audio engineering program that I enrolled in because I thought that I wanted to learn how to be an audio engineer, how to produce music. Um, and I, I kept going out and finding all of these um, local people who played therapeutic instruments. So crystal singing bowls. Um, I found mm. some Aborigines who, who played the didgeridoo and, and um, sang these, these indigenous songs. Um, and I, I was the only female in the program, and all of the other guys were bringing in the, you know, the heavy metal bands, and I think they were looking at me going, what is she recording? She's <laughs> crystal singing balls? Like, what is this? Um, so, it was, so it's very interesting. It was, it was the recording arts that, that was my first introduction to all of these therapeutic instruments. And, um, you know, Going back a little bit, before that, I, I had lived in, in Germany. So um, I went to Germany when I was age 25, thinking that it was to, uh, to, to pursue an opera career there, which I did. I, I did the auditions, and I traveled to different parts of Germany, I say. And I, I did get some work in opera there. But at the same time, I had this double life where I was writing and performing opera with techno music. Oh, and fun. Techno is really big in Berlin. I don't know if you knew this mm-hmm. uh, this part of my story, but yeah, I was. Um, so I had this this double life where I was singing opera by day, and then I was singing opera techno in underground clubs at night. And Berlin, that meant headlining at like five a.m. because the, the clubs don't oh. even get going till midnight. So it was like five a.m. Uh, these clubs full of smoke. Uh, crazy stuff happening. Some of them, like even S and M clubs. I mean, just cr- crazy, crazy stuff. And um, I had this this really fun uh, period of my life where I got to let my freak flag because <laughs> <laughs> up to that point I'd been a bit of a goody two shoes. I'd studied theater, you know, musical right, theater, right. good wholesome musical theater, and and opera. And um, I needed to go away from my own country and uh, put on some Daglo paint and some, you know, leopard skin pants and and grow my hair really long and and then you know get up at 5 a.m with this music and then you know be do you know the equivalent of screaming like ah, you know and everyone was on drugs i mean it was it was crazy and it it was not a sustainable career <laughs> uh, and at the time i was really excited about it and really proud of it um people loved the live act and then i was trying to get you know record deal and then was very very disappointed that I, I couldn't get a record deal and and um, and I think it was because the music it, it functioned really well live late at night in this crazy kind of atmosphere but it wasn't music that had a lot of dynamics or nuances or that um, one would just put on the stereo to listen to by day mm-hmm. um, so it was disappointing for me at the time that that wasn't going someplace bigger. And now, of course, looking back, I can see that that was just a really important stage I needed to go through. I needed to find the wild woman in me. I needed to find, you know, the the Kali, Mm -hmm. the the wild woman archetype. And and not only just, you know, find it in quotes, but live it, embody it. (laughs) Let it out and let it energize you. Yeah. Yeah. And that that was a really important aspect of, of, moving into the healing work as strange as that may sound <laughs> I think so because I think you know it's that the chironic transformation you go in and yeah 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 and it was part of it was one of the branches of the tree so so yeah so I was doing this techno opera stuff in Germany and then I wanted to to, to create my own music and I, I was working with all these music producers who were all guys and I decided I really wanted to learn some of the technological stuff myself and even though I spoke German after living there for four years I didn't want to do a double whammy of, of studying uh, that <clears throat> heady kind of stuff in a foreign language so that's why I went to Australia uh, mm-hmm. at age 29 to, to do this audio engineering program. And, um, and so it was interesting was, it was that 
going to Australia to do this audio engineering program, I thought that I would, I just wanted to live by the beach and surf and, and learn um, this technique technical production to, to create my own techno music is what I what was my original intention. And then it was through being there and having to learn the recording arts and discovering these therapeutic instruments that I became much more interested in working with acoustic music mm-hmm. and that this music started to evolve um, and, and that I was going towards the healing arts without even knowing that that process was happening. And then it was um, in 2006 in Santa Fe, in your neck of the woods, that uh, I got to go with my mom actually to this this huge sound healing conference that was put on by the message company. Mm-hmm. It was which fabulous. Was, which was, oh, you were there. I yeah. was there. It was fabulous. <laughs> it was amazing. And it was really the first um, contemporary giant gathering of everybody who's everyone who's a who's who in that um, in the sound healing world and so I came to that and was just blown away it was like opening a door and then finding a thousand doors behind it and um, I was I just couldn't believe that there was this whole world that existed that I did not I didn't have any awareness of and that that People like Jonathan Goldman had been doing this work since the 80s and um, some um, further back. And so it was so interesting that I went to that conference um, really not knowing a whole lot about that world. And yet when I walked in and I got there, I had this strong sense that this is who I am. These are my people. And I'm even though I'm brand new to this, mm-hmm. I'm not brand new to this. There was this awakening of something ancient in me, like, like the, this awareness that I had been doing this work for a long time. <laughs> um, in this life, since I was a little kid in Malibu, mm-hmm. uh, and through all the theater work and the opera work, not really understanding that that's what I was doing consciously, but even something more ancient, going back probably uh, thousands of lives and also through this collective consciousness of what this work is. I just felt this awakening of ancient memory being there. And it was, it was like just being woken up from, from a long amnesia. going to that conference and and what was also strange was that I had this inner feeling that I had something to say Uh (laughs) that I had uh that amongst these these people that I had a unique contribution to give to this community and this seemed ludicrous to my conscious mind because I was like wait a minute I'm just discovering this community Mm -hmm. what do I have to say? And what, I had no idea what that was even, Nika. It was, and yet there's this palpable feeling that I had a, a, a unique contribution. Um, so um, interestingly, that conference, I think, happened one or two more times. And then um, it, 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 the, the company, the, the, the man who was the organizer. Um, he passed away and his children didn't want to continue. Yeah. It was really a shame. He did a number of amazing conferences. Amazing conferences. And they were so well organized and so well run. And, um, there were a couple of other conferences that happened in California around the same time. So within a two, three year period, there was this just blowing up of this awareness of sound healing, um, in, in the United States. And then, because of I don't know the you know the energy or the organization or whatever it just kind of um, I wouldn't say that it dissipated it was just that these these big huge gatherings um, nothing has happened on that level since very very interesting um, that it was just this this build up of yeah everyone who's everyone's going to come together blah, 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 blah. and now it's it everyone's in their separate worlds again but there was this awareness that uh, for those of us who were able to be there um, that we got to experience uh, you know the the diversity of the people who are offering things within this community and the diversity of tools and instruments and techniques it was it was fascinating yeah 
Absolutely. So, so you know, after that, I just um, started this dive into as many different healing techniques as I could. Um, so, for the past ten, ten years, becoming an acutonics practitioner and studying, uh, you know, doing the, the programs at the Sound and Music Institute in New York, um, the Globe Institute in California, um, mm-hmm. studying with Vicky Dodd, Jonathan Goldman, um, just as many of the the contemporary leaders as I could possibly study with to to deepen my own awareness and to to help wake myself up from this amnesia um at the same time though uh something else happened which was there this this piece that i had to contribute that i had this sense of uh started to reveal itself to me in stages mm-hmm. and uh, it really happened in in grad school so when i went so i was after that conference, I went back to grad school in California at Cal Arts, which is a real um, avant-garde mecca, and but it's a real intellectual school. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, they do a lot of crazy stuff, experimental stuff. It's 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 very much on the intellectual level. So it was a it was a place for me where I could bring together all the different things that I, I do. So I, I was in their music program, but I learned extended vocal techniques. I also um, assisted and taught in their audio um, engineering lab. Um, I, I did, you know, I took theater classes and taught theater classes and um, also did their um, integrated media program, which is within the art school. So it was a way to, to bring all the different parts of me together and finally get that music degree as well, which was important for auditioning in this country for for classical music venues mm-hmm. and opera. Um, but the reasons that I went there ended up being not the most important part of of going to that program. What ended up being the most important part was that I was given my own a couple of my own classes to teach for the two years that I was there. So I was given one class that uh, consisted of undergraduates who were singing majors, Mm -hmm. and I was teaching them acting and interpretation. And then the other class consisted of non-singing majors. So they were actors and writers and instrumentalists who wanted to sing. And I wasn't given a whole lot of supervision, so I could pretty much do what I wanted to do in these classes, which is which is rare. <laughs> yeah, that's usually. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So they were kind of my guinea pigs, and I got to just experiment <laughs> on them. And what was interesting was that I found that these two groups of students had something in common, which was that both of them felt disempowered with regards to their voices, whether they identified themselves as singers or not, there is this disempowerment, there is a disconnection from their self-expression, from their ability to share their sound. So they they suffered from stage fright and uh, from this, yeah, this, this disconnection. And so I thought that was very interesting. And so I started developing or or just experimenting with different practices to help get them back in their bodies to help get them reconnected to their self-expression and to their their love of of music and to vibration and through this experimentation by the end I realized that I was far more interested in the process than the product the product being to produce people who could sing professionally or just sing in front of people. For me, that was far less interesting than the process itself, which was transformational. And I realized this really was a sound healing process mm-hmm. and that, you know, all of the things that I was learning with these, you know, different sound healing uh, trainings were, were reawakening this, this, this knowledge within me. And, and that this, these experiments revealed a, uh, a, a method, a methodology that I often say I don't feel like I created. I feel like it was a download, that it was given to me or, or revealed to me in stages. But by the time I finished that program, I had this this methodology. And that's when I, I founded my company, Sounding Circles, 
and started offering these workshops to regular people because I, 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 I thought this is, this is mystery and magic and it, and it's so transformational, this work. It shouldn't just be for, for students in a conservatory. This should be available for all people. So then I started to produce retreats and events and uh, ended up back in New York City um, through a series of events and and then also through a series of events ended up uh, back in, interestingly, some institutions <laughs> that <laughs> existed for a long time, um, but only through the creation of my unique offering have, have those doors opened up. They never would have opened up had I not had something that was unique um, that I had yeah on you know created and or you know downloaded and and figured out how to offer it and that you love doing i mean it's really clear as you do this and teach it and facilitate whatever it is that you do with it that you love it and you are really fascinated by how people are transformed by doing it i mean that really well, not- shows Thank you. Not only that, it's actually that I need this work. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> um, you know, they say that that you learn the most by teaching something. I feel mm-hmm. like every time I lead one of these sounding circles that that I am leading it for myself. That everything that comes through me as a direction is is aimed at me and that I'm a student of this methodology. That, that sound is my teacher and that the the narratives or the directives to do things in a certain sequence are always about me needing this work, most of all. And that I can't do it by myself. I mean, I do have a course in, in which I teach uh, sounding for wellness, which, mm-hmm. um, which yeah, you, you were a part of, Nico, right. which, which, is, which is about how to cultivate a self-practice, and I, I believe in that, and 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 it, they're wonderful tools. But at the same time, I will say that that the self-practice is never ever a, as strong or as transformational as a group practice, because the group intention and the group energy amplifies the effect. So sound is a, a carrier wave for consciousness. It's it's our thoughts that piggyback on sound waves. And that's why sound has always been a part of different indigenous cultures, religious practices. Um, all religions have have music that um, is a amplification effect for prayer. Mm-hmm. Every single culture has some version of that because there's always been this ancient wisdom that sound amplifies intention, whether that's prayer, whether that's meditation, whether it's, you know, working with manifestation, thoughts become things. Yeah, we can have the thought about something, but sometimes just having the thought of, yeah, I would like to manifest this and this in my life. The thought isn't enough to create a a state of, of change. We have to vibrate that. And um, so it is working with the sound in the form of, you know, different instruments or with our own voices that can create that vibration in the strongest possible way. So, yeah, so this group practice for me, it's about uh, not only that sound amplifies intention, but that when we have a group of people creating sound, uh, it creates this unified field and it also uh, creates a cohesiveness. And when we have waves that are cohesive, which is what I learned back in audio engineering school, mm-hmm. uh, that the cohesive waves will amplify. So when you have waves that are in sync, they will become louder. When you have waves that are out of sync, they will cancel each other out, interestingly enough. That's so, fascinating. so yeah. yeah, it is fascinating. So you know, it's called phase cancellation. Sometimes we have partial phase cancellation, or if, or if a wave is completely um, the opposite, it will um, two sound waves can become silence. So it, it will actually mean that you you 
hear nothing because it, you've got two opposite, completely opposite sounds that are completely out of phase. It's really, really fascinating. So when that's, you have... Yeah, fascinating. That's yeah. a whole philosophical conversation right there. Oh, yes. <laughs> we could talk for another hour about that. Right, right, so, right. yeah. So suffice it to say, when you've got this cohesiveness, you've got two waves that are in co cohesiveness, that that strengthens it. It's double as loud as the single wave. And so the sounding circles... Uh, method that I've created is is it's a three-step method it's very simple and um, it involves creating an arc to take people through a set of experiences it's about allowing them to go into a deeply relaxed safe space it's about allowing them to or inviting them to make discoveries using their own voices their own voice and then it's about creating this unified field of energy, creating this universal oneness, so that when the group comes into this unification, that everyone's intentions are, are amplified. And sound does that so well, and it makes a group in a very different way than any other experience to make sound together is, mm. a, is a deeply soul-changing experience. Mm, absolutely. And the last thing I'd like to share with your audience mm -hmm. is my belief that your voice is the most healing instrument for your body, your physical body, your emotional body, your spiritual body. And this is true whether you think you can sing or not, whether you like your voice or not, whether you can match tone or not, uh, none of that matters because what we're talking about here is not how to create a performance. This is about using sound for transformation and for healing. And healing in the sense of coming back into a state of wholeness, to a state of balance. So you can invest in many expensive instruments. And, and everyone who knows me knows that I, I collect instruments. <laughs> Invested a lot of money in them and I always have this endless wish list of more things that I want but you can uh, without spending any money learn how to use your voice as as a tool for self healing and transformation and I think children do this when oh. left alone and that we're taught not to at some point along the way yeah, absolutely. That's why we, I always begin my story with, with me being this little kid, pre-language in Malibu, sounding and singing with the elements. Like mm -hmm. I knew that. It was just, it was so natural. It was so instinctive. And I, it had to be unlearned. <laughs> uh, little kids, they make all kinds of sound with their voices. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and they're playing. Yes, they're playing. But they're also working with energy. Yeah. They're working energy naturally we know how to work with energy we know how to to cry when we're upset you know when we we need to um you know express our discontent you know we know how to to hum or to coo when you're feeling good um you know cats for example will um purr if they are happy but they will also purr when they're hurt mm -hmm. because that purring sound um is a, is a soothing balm for, for their body. So we know this, we come into this world with this wisdom. And unfortunately, we don't have a society that, that helps us uh, see this as normal. Um, there's this, this book that's really popular right now called Earthing. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's like, the greatest scientific discovery ever. <laughs> if you walk on the earth, you'll feel better. And, you know, it's not to make fun of, of that book because we actually need that book. Like, right. What, we have forgotten things that are just common sense. Yes, if you, if you walk barefoot on the earth, you will take in the energy of the earth. You will stimulate the acupuncture points on your feet. You will feel grounded. You will feel relaxed. You will feel energized. You will feel better. The earth gives us energy. And you also can connect with the earth even while wearing shoes, while walking around the sidewalk in New York City. All you need to do is to connect with the earth, earth's energy. And you can do that, you know, through all these, these, you know, 
feet of, of concrete. And so it's the same thing with our voice. We, we've forgotten that we have this natural tool for healing and transformation. It's ours. We were born with it. And it doesn't take uh, years of lessons. Like, it does take years of lessons to learn how to be an opera singer. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm not going to say that that's not true, but that's because it's a specific technique about how to project the voice over an orchestra in a certain way. It does take many years to learn. But what I'm talking about is, is using our voice for healing and transformation. So, um, I'd love to share just a, a, a simple little exercise Oh, that would be fabulous. Yeah, to, to, to share this with folks. Okay, I'm just going to take a sip of my water here. Okay. Mm. All right. So for those listening, I encourage you now to find a comfortable way of being. So if you're sitting in front of your computer listening to this, I want you to take a moment to stop whatever you're doing. If you're multitasking while you're listening to this, stop that multitasking. <laughs> <laughs> Close those, those other windows. And, uh, you know, if you're driving, listening to this, you might want to, you know, do this at a time when you can just stop. Or you can even pull over on the side of the road, listen to it. But, yeah, stop the multitasking, stop doing other stuff, and just take a moment just a few minutes to be completely present. So I invite you to close your eyes. If you're sitting in a chair, have your feet be flat on the floor. So you're going to sit on the edge of the chair. You can also lay down or sit cross-legged while doing this. So closing your eyes, I invite you to just connect first to your breath. Ooh, I'm going to turn my phone off. I just heard a little ding there. That's life trying to interrupt, trying to get your attention. So sometimes you have to just turn off all of those interruptive things and tune inward. Good. So taking some nice deep inhalations and exhalations. Good. And Nika, I'm going to have you do this with me too. So. Okay. Got you and I doing this, and then whoever else is listening, you can tune into our unified field. Breathing oh, in wonderful. and out. Good. Once again, breathing in and out. Okay, so coming back into stillness. Good. And now I'm going to invite you to start to hum. And to do this hum, I want you to very gently purse your lips like it's the beginning of a kiss. So we don't want a full-on selfie pucker. <laughs> right? We don't want that the full-on. We just want a little bit of just slight forwardness of the lips. Great. And now I'm going to ask you to do what I call a frequency sweep with the voice. So I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath and start to hum. And then with that hum, to go all the way up your comfortable vocal range and then all the way back down. And just to do that a few times. And Nika, you and I can do that together. We don't have to do it together. You can go mm -hmm. high, I can do low. What we're doing is we're just sweeping through our voice to see if we can find a nice comfortable spot right in the middle that is a good tone for us today. So let's try that. You can take a few breaths in between as you do this. to the middle, start to just oscillate a little bit in the middle till you find just the perfect note for you today. So just like this. So as you do this, you'll find when you go too high, it'll just feel like you're disconnecting a little bit. If you go too low, it'll feel like it's dropping out. But when you find a note right in the middle that feels nice and good, you'll feel your sternum actually resonate and your whole middle body start to resonate. So just keep playing with this till you find it. Mm -hmm. 
So for me, that note is here. For you, it may be different. And you may need to do this exercise again, not even listening to me, so that you can really listen to your own body and to what your own body is needing. So when you find that note, just start to hum that with those gently pursed lips for a few moments. Good. Now take a breath and allow yourself to be in silence for a moment. Now we're going to create a spiral. So we're going to hum that same note that you found comfortably, but you're going to allow the tongue now to move around in a circular motion, all the while visualizing a inner spiral. And as your tongue moves around, you may hear some different notes. So I want you to stay with your voice on one note, but as you move the tongue around in the mouth, you may hear what are known as harmonics. So some different sounds on top of the note may come out. So just experiment with this spiral. And I want you to feel as we're spiraling that you're swallowing the sound. So it's not a sound that needs to be loud. It's not a sound that needs to be projected out. So if there were other people in the room, it wouldn't matter whether they could even hear you. It's more about keeping the sound within and sending those vibrations into the body. So not projecting out, but actually sending them down within the body while spiraling with these different harmonics. So don't think too hard if you're doing it right or wrong. It's not about right or wrong. It's about experimentation and discovery. So let's try this together. Breathing in. And sounding. You can even move your lips around to keep your mouth closed, but you can move the shape of your mouth. Let's take another deep breath in, coming back into stillness. Again, don't worry about if you're doing it right, if you're supposed to experience something or not. This is all about discovery. And as you practice this, you will make more discoveries about this. So now we're just going to experiment with a couple little things which involve Sending that vibration using your intention to different parts of the body. So I invite you now to send this vibration into your belly. And don't worry if you can't actually physically feel this. It's all about your intention. So take your hands and start to rub the belly around in a circle. Thinking about aiding your digestion. So not only your physical digestion of the things that you've eaten, but digesting ideas in your life, concepts. Or experiences. So with this focus of intention of digestion on all levels, take that same note and direct it to your belly. Let's take a deep breath in. You can still spiral the tongue if it feels good to do so. And sound. And then allow your hands to 
come back to your thighs, resting. And just notice what you notice in your body. So we're working with subtle energy here. And sometimes the differences may be subtle. So tuning into any subtle differences in the body right now. And now I invite you to take that same sound, that same spiraling tone, and send that all the way down your body to your feet. So with your imagination, we're going to energize and clear and balance the feet. Again, don't worry about whether you can physically sense that or not. We're working with vibration and intention. So here we go. Take a deep breath in. And sounding. and then allow that to come into stillness. Notice what you notice. You may or may not feel a difference in your feet. You may notice something in a different part of your body. Maybe that sound went to a different part of the body that it needed to go to. Or it may have been in traveling down the body to get to your feet that it had a subtle effect on another part of the body. So we trust the wisdom of the sound needing to go where it needs to go. It's now coming up to the end here. I invite you, if it feels good to do so, to place your hand or, or both hands on the heart center. Mm. So not on the heart itself, but actually in the heart chakra so in the middle of the body it may feel cheesy for some people to do this but if you're in a room by yourself give yourself permission to be in heartfulness tuning into the energy of your emotional body and asking how your emotions are today so when we think of the heart, we think of love and compassion and all these wonderful positive feelings, but our heart is also where hatred lives and a lot of negative feelings, grief, sadness. And it's part of the human experience to, to have all of these awarenesses, have all these experiences. So... So it's all right to just be in the moment and really honor all of you, all of your light aspects and all of your shadow aspects, the parts of you that feel disappoint, disappointed, that feel disempowered, that feel grief, that feel rage, as well as love and compassion and all the good stuff too. So feeling your heart and really being unconditional with yourself and all the parts of you. Let's now direct that hum to the heart center. Not trying to fix or change any of those emotions, just offering our sound in support of those emotions and allowing the sound to go where it needs to and to transform us in the way that is in our highest good. Let's take a deep breath in. And release with sound.
and then allow your hands to come to back to your lap and be in the stillness and silence for a few moments. And then when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes and come back to a waking state of consciousness. So those are just some very simple practices that you can implement in your daily life as part of a morning practice or taking a break from whatever it is that you're doing to allow sound to bring you back into a state of balance and connectedness and i think we're we're about out of time or over time nika so i think we're fine but let's just give everybody your website this that was fabulous i was thinking about what a relief it is to do that when you commute (laughs) (laughs) so helpful so if you could give people your website maybe talk a little bit about the sounding circle club that you have and a few things and then we'll sign off so thank you so much that was really wonderful So, Nika, I'd like to make a special offer to your listeners, and that is that I do these regular webinars. So, in whatever part of the country or the world that you are in, you can access them. And I have a monthly subscription that I would like to invite any of you to attend live for free. So in order to do that, you just need to send me an email. That's jewel, J-O-U-L-E, at soundingcircles.com. And depending upon when this airs or when you listen to it, you are invited to to attend live once, and I will send you the login information for whatever month that audio class is happening. I also have some ongoing training classes, which are small group coaching classes, interactive video. One is the Sounding for Wellness class in which I teach a lot of techniques like the one you just experienced. It's a two-hour video class that's every other week. And then I also have a Sounding Circles facilitation training that is also online for people who are wanting to learn how to lead groups in the way that I lead them. And if you are interested in that and seriously interested, you can apply for what I call a sound breakthrough, which is a complimentary one-on-one Skype chat with me. So in order to apply for that, you again would just send an email to jewel, J-O-U-L-E, at soundingcircles.com and tell me why you would like to have a breakthrough session. What what are you hoping to, to gain from that? So those are my my complimentary offers, and I would love to hear from you. And you can also check out my website once again, which is www.soundingcircles.com, soundingcircles as in plural, dot com. Thank you so much, Nika, today. Such a pleasure to to share my story with you, and I've I've just felt like such a great connection to you ever since we met at Emerging Women uh, back a couple of years ago. And just love your radio show and everything that you're doing in the world right now. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great, it has been a great connection. It was so wonderful in our very first circle there. And I'm just so impressed with what you do and and what a gift you have and how well you share it. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And I'm sure people will be contacting you. It's a wonderful adventure to do this sounding. Mm. So thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Many blessings. (laughs) You too. (laughs) Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.